If you want to know what Paroi's voice sounds like, and Paroi's voice is completely misaligned from how a Jewish person should think, it sounds like prioritize your own spiritual well-being. In Pasuk, the Pasuk that says, The king of Egypt said to Moshe and Aaron, Why, Moshe and Aaron, are you interfering with the people's work? Go to your jobs. Chazal say, look at what it says over here. It's a medrash. The fact that it doesn't just say don't interfere with their work, but it says you go to your responsibilities with the emphasis on yours. That means that Paro is not telling them to go do the work that the other Jews are doing or to carry the burden that the other Jews are carrying from which is about to be described. Paroi is not telling Moshe and Aaron to go and lug stones together with other Jews. That illustrates that Moshe and Aaron were exempt from that labor. And by extension, the entire Shevet Levi was exempt from the hard labor of the, of the slavery in Mitzrayim. The Ramban is mevoyer. The Ramban explain, explains why that would be. Why would a, a despot like Paroi allow such a thing? So he explains. As is that it's common in every nation. That they should have sages who teach them their heritage and their Torah. On the far Paroi always get told them shevet levi. On the befray from them shibut. That's what convinced Paroi to allow the shevet levi to be free of labor. Because they are the sages and elders of the Jewish people. Therefore, he was saying, What's Paroi telling Moshe Aaron? Go to your jobs, which is to be responsible for the Jewish people. Go back to your job, which is to learn and be the guides, the guides to the rest of the Jewish people. And others. Paroi, you could say, even has an invested interest over here, a vested interest, because. He needs a healthy, wholesome labor force. So they've got to have their people who are going to inspire them and help them to, to focus, etc. Doses, in other words, as Parod Gitanit to Moshe Aaron, basically what Paro was telling Moshe Aaron is, Sizginug was irzait fry from Shibit Mitzrayim. You should be glad that you are exempt from the hard labor of Egypt. You have permission, you should be grateful, you have permission to learn Torah, and you have permission to teach Torah to the Jewish people. So why are you now interfering in how the rest live, in their circumstances? Why are you insisting that they should not behave in the way that is mandated by the, the rules of this country? Surely you should be grateful that it's good enough that they have you who can inspire them from time to time. Now the Zohar tells us that the wisdom in Egypt was superior to anywhere else in the world. Not only then, the truth is even today, there are certain things we still don't understand about the Egyptians. And Paro himself was a genius. Let's be honest. He might have been a tyrant, but he was a genius. So therefore, the Tainan from Paro is given a Tainan. What Paro was saying over here is something that would make sense to the rational mind. Which is, 
According to the natural process, there was no way for the Jews to escape Egypt. As we know famously, Chazal tell us, no slave ever escaped. Not only practically could they not escape, the fact that the Jews were slaves was something that had been defined by the Ebeshter. The Abishta told Avram Avinu that his descendants would be slaves for 400 years. 400 years are not up yet. That was Pari's point. Who do you think you are? You're going to interfere now with the natural order? You're going to interfere with the, what the Abishta decided? You go back to your role. You go learn your Torah. And allow life to take its course. This is what the Abish decided. Who do you think you are? So the response is, Well, it does sound like Paro has a very powerful point. But let's not forget who's speaking. It's Paro who's speaking, which means it's fundamentally wrong. And let's assume we would have listened to Paro's argument. We would have totally compromised the possibility of the Gula, which obviously was the objective of Moshe's job. As we know, the Gula had to be under extreme time pressure. Because had the Jews remained there, even just the span of time that you blink your eyes, there would be no way out. The only reason the Gula happened was because the leadership, Moshe and Aaron, ignored what Parah had to say. Yes, rationally, Parah, you make a lot of sense, but you're wrong. Maybe in the world of the rational mind, what you're saying, Paroi, has validity. But we're talking about the Jewish people over here, who are not bound by the restrictions of what can be explained rationally or by the, the natural order of the world. Not only the physical, even the spiritual world. So therefore, regardless of the fact that there was a gzera for 400 years of slavery, which is something that perhaps comes from a spiritual space, is the gula given a The fact is, we got out just over halfway. In a way that David should completely skipped over the time frame. That's what happened. Paroi was wrong. As compelling as his argument was, it was wrong. Which teaches us a very profound lesson. The Ayro de Funiz. As I eat, only trachter, no Jew should ever think. Ich lern doch Torah. I'm going to learn Torah because that's what I have to do as a Jewish person. Is ani es nafshi itzalti and thereby I've I've saved myself. Put on my oxygen mask first. Or befrat as ich gib noch von Zeit zu Zeit a shir b'Torah sander. The truth is, I don't only care about myself. Occasionally, I give a shir to other people as well. Was is mir if I feel but do I, do I have to really start to concern myself with the, the nuanced reality of the next person? Is he doing mitzvahs? Not doing mitzvahs? What's my business? Is he committed to the Ebeshter with his own talents and abilities? Or is he a slave of Paroi? Completely enslaved by materialism. Is it my problem? I get up. I give my share. Those who want to come, they'll listen and finished. 
If a person is completely involved in materialism without a sense of the divine spark with it, within it, is as futile to pursue materialism without meaning, is as futile as building the cities of Pisam and Ramses or a paroi. The cities of paroi, because as Gemara Soita explains, Ramses was called that way because as they built the structure, so it collapsed. Or shook. And Pisam was called that because literally things fell into the ground. So They're not sustainable structures. Materialism without meaning is not a sustainable reality. So we have to know the person that says, I do my bit and please don't expect me to step out of line and help somebody or push somebody else because it's not my business. That is Paroi's attitude. said to Moshe and Aaron, you go back to your role. As long as you're learning Torah, you should be happy. Why are you so bothered by the behavior of another Jew? Does somebody can say the That's Paro's attitude. It's not the way for a Jew to behave. Which is why Moshe and Aaron did not listen to what Paro had to say. Let's compare it to God forbid you saw a fire in the next person's house. Another Jew's house. Nobody's going to sit back to make a whole elaborate calculation. Should I or shouldn't I get involved to save his life from the fire? Or to make a, a, a whole calculation. Why should I get involved in somebody else's life? It's not my life. It's nothing to do with me. Every person has their path. Which is divinely designed. I didn't choose that he should have a fire. The Ebishter chose that he should have a fire. Who am I to interfere? I should get involved in the Ebishter's problem. I should call that solar. I should call a fire department. I should try to help the guy out of his house. It's absolutely clear. Anybody who sees that kind of crisis unfolding, is not going to, if they're a healthy mind, if they're a healthy human, they're not going to sit there with this whole elaborate, you know, calculation back and forth. Does it make sense? Perhaps I have to follow a different opinion. Any normal human being will run to help. If that is a clear and obvious response when a person's physical here and now is being threatened, how much more so does there have to be an immediate response when a person is being threatened in the here and now and in the hereafter? You cannot afford to be rational. We'd have to do everything in our power to save the person from destruction. The Frit Kerber would quote the Baal Shem Tov as saying, as the Chiyu von Abbas Yisrael, that the responsibility we have to love a fellow Jew, but does not only apply to a Jew you know, but even to a Jew who's who knows where on the other end of the earth. On the Avadar of Zion and the love to that Jew who lives who knows where has to be not just love 
or some kind of parameters and rules of the game. Nor komoicha, to love them like yourself. Just like we love ourselves without restriction. And that's the kind of love we have to have another Jew. The Rebbe Otetzelt, the Friedrich Rebbe also related as the Mezich and Magid Hotzich Givunchen, that the Magid of Mezich used to wish as Halavayvel to get Kushti Sefer Torah, that he could kiss the Sefer Torah, mit der Zelb Abba Vechiba, was the Rebbe the Baal Shem Tov had Gahat Suayidun, with a kind of love that the Baal Shem Tov had to another Jew. On the Rebbe Ot Moisif Givayim B'Shem Harava Magid, and then the Friedrich Rebbe added also in the Magid's name, the Baal Shem Tov Volt Zayindik Valmadain, if the Baal Shem Tov was still in this world. Would have given would have known how much impact he had by drawing Jews close, which of course he now in the next world appreciates. He would have done so much more and in a whole different way. So for us, what does that mean? That the love for the fellow Jew, which is supposed to be like love for ourselves, has to express itself as. Is Just like with regards to oneself, what would we want to do? Our role. That the person is in the space of learning, in the space of davening, or mitzvahs, in the space of fulfilling mitzvahs. That's the impact you have to have on another two that they live in the world of Torah and Tfilah and mitzvahs. Seeing as we know that Ebershad does not make unfair demands on us. And that means we are completely empowered to succeed in doing this. But the lesson we have to remember from the story of the Golas Mitzrayim is we cannot delay it. Not a week, not a day, not even the blink of an eye. Because as the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim illustrates, the blink of an eye could be the distinction between getting out of Golos or Chas V'Sholem not. And therefore this has a practical lesson for every person who is engaged in Torah learning, which is inclusive of those sitting in Yeshiva, or any Jewish person who is in the illuminated reality of living a wholesome Jewish life. The moment we recognize that another Jew's spirituality is not as it should be. It's not illuminated as much as it should be. We dare not convince ourselves, it's not my problem, I'm looking after me. Especially when you consider, like that result tells us, that the entire Jewish world is essentially one organism. If there's another Jew who is lacking in his Torah then I'm lacking in Torah and every Jew is lacking in Torah we see this illustrated elsewhere in Torah where the Torah tells us about the Jewish people you all stand together in front of from the leaders all the way to the woodchoppers and the water carriers if you had to have a military parade inspection in front of the king is the seder as from the posta soldaten 
If you have a simple soldier, a private in the army, who didn't polish the buttons on his uniform the way that he was supposed to, not only is that soldier disciplined, the main person who's going to be under pressure is going to be the commanding officer. Why did you not train your soldiers to know how you stand in front of a king? It's his responsibility. The professional's responsibility. It's the from Jew's responsibility. The fact that another Jew may not be doing what they should in the way that they should. We have to know that as we stand all in front of the Eibesh, there's not only a demand and expectation from the simple people, the woodchoppers and the water carriers, the main people who are under pressure and have to answer for their behavior are the leaders. And it's not going to be an acceptable answer to say, sorry, I was busy with my own spiritual development. When the Jewish people do behave like a single organism where each part of the organism is responsible and cares about the other. From top to bottom, from leaders to water, to water carriers. Then, like we say in the davening on Hashanah Yom Kippur, we all stand like a single bound reality. Then we'll all be able to reach the point to the last of to fulfill the Eibushter's will with a full heart. On his vetzayinu, in our unity, will bring the unity of the Eibushter in the world, the oneness of Hashem in the world, the realization of Hashem's oneness in the world, and that will happen with Mashiach, which will happen immediately. Mitzvah.